How do? It's old new borrowed Who, the meandering biography podcast hosted by two snappy Joshes. Each episode we explore the life of a famous actor, deciding whether they've been naughty or nice, and then look over three of their films and discuss what we liked and how we can make it better, or is it even possible? My name is Josh Hooten, your host that has found a bunch of money in a satchel, and sat across from me is... Uh, Josh Jones, the host who has found a bunch of money at the bottom of a cave. Nice. We are some looty boys. Yes. <laughs> I, I didn't know where you were going to go with it, so I thank yeah. you for giving me giving me a, a sharp angle yeah, on that. Hello, yeah, we're back for another episode. Um, this time, exploring another person that we will talk about shortly. But in the meantime, we've uh, experienced the spooky times of Halloween. We have. Ooh, where Ooh. obviously tons of horror films and stuff that have been consumed by both of us and. I've shouted at people in the cinemas in horror films and yep. stuff for being too loud because I won't talk about how you shouted in horror at people in the cinemas. Yeah, <laughs> their behaviour was abhorrent. What were they doing in my cinema, screaming before the trailers even started? But then we did also go to the most chill cinema I've ever been to. What a drive-in! A drive-in. Is it the first time we've ever been to a drive-in? No, second. Second. Before. Funnily enough, second Halloween film that I've seen at a drive-in though. Oh, what was the first one you saw? Paranorman. Well, I, in America, yeah. just <laughs> okay. after it came out, it was great. Norman, yeah, is that the one with the um, the girl house line? No, that's Monster House. Monster House. Paranorman was the one where he's got he's got a little dog, um, but it's all he's the son of Frankenstein, I think. I can, I can as, as in the the son of the the scientist, not oh okay of the yeah. I haven't seen it. I oh, it's a, it's actually a really good film. It is like it's like it's like Monster House. It's that sort of you expect a like you know not crap kids film, but like a kids <laughs> film. And actually, you come out, you go, that was actually really it's good. Stuff it's well hidden, done. Yeah, stuff hidden for adults and things like that. I yeah, can, I can picture the poster. I can picture the trailer, yeah. but I, can't, I don't know the film. But yes, we didn't see that. We no. um, we went to a it's like street food cinema in. Yep. Uh, which I think they're all over the UK, so if you're in the UK, do check them yeah. out. But they were in Cardiff, and they were showing Rocky Horror Picture Show. Yeah, um, fabulous. We went with our partners and had a lovely time. Yeah, with food ordered to the car, just yeah. sat, cr- cricked our necks a bit. Yeah, we, we were in the back of the car because uh, neither of us can drive, so uh, they both got shotgun. Yeah, we well. Also, we're just we're, we're good people. Oh, we just wanted to hold hands under the under the <laughs> under the blanket as we sang uh, and share along. pop rocks. <laughs> we did share pop rocks, but yeah, it was it was interesting watching it in the back of a car, having a sing along. It's a, it just feels like you're watching something in the house. Yeah, you're out and about as well. It just makes yeah, it it's great. It's a great vibe. I think it's really cool the whole way they do it with the radio tuning and all that. I just yeah, it's I think it's a great experience. I honestly would recommend a drive-in cinema to anyone if you haven't done it. I think it's just it's a fun different way to watch a film. I think I think it's good if you just if you've got only you and one other person. Yeah, I think for two sure. of you in the front just sort of or a convertible. Or a convertible, yeah. yeah. But <laughs> who's that bougie? <laughs> I wish we were. But yeah, um, really good fun. Again, it still holds up. I mean, I think you either love Rocky Horror or you hate Rocky yeah. Horror. There is no in-between. I go, yeah, it's all right. It's, no. <laughs> it's either I hate this film or I really enjoy this film. Yeah, for sure. Uh, and as I was singing along, and that's not yes. that's not common for me for a musical, but it, it got me going. <laughs> Sounds weird we're talking about Rocky Horror. It got me going. Oh, f- Oh, Rocky. <laughs> anyway, should we move on? Yeah, let's go. <laughs> so, um, like my confused feelings, I, I left a confusing clue last episode. Um, so a big pat on the back for me. Uh, the <laughs> clue was, both podcast hosts, as a team, 
are grilling in the oven. Mm. Did you did you get you got this one? You got it when I gave the clue last time. Um, it's well, Josh. Josh, yeah, Brolin. Josh Brolin. Because grilling in the oven is also known as broiling. But there's no I in team, so you get rid of the I. So it's Josh Brolin. Um, yeah, that's it. I think that was the most confusing part of the, yeah. the thing. I reckon you could have gone away with just Josh Broiling. I could have, but then I added as a team because I, in my head, I needed to add something to get rid of the I. It felt good. It felt good. So yeah, we're doing Josh Brolin uh, this this week. Um, so what do you know about uh, this Brolin character? Do you know anything about him? Because I sure didn't before I went he... to this. I know he was child actor, went yeah. away for a bit, came back. Now he's Hollywood hunk of spunk. Hollywood hunk of spunk. He's. I think he's. He seems to be in a lot at the like in the last few years since 2014. I'd probably say he seems to have been in loads. Yeah, he's blown up massively. I think it's maybe early about 2006 is sort of a big trajectory. But then yeah, he's been yeah. in every film. Is it, yeah, sorry. That I, yeah, maybe for his. I think, but I think as in. He, it feels like he's been a, in a lot of films since then. Not necessarily that's when he's been getting big roles. If it helps sense. if you're in a Marvel franchise, Yeah, it? of course, of course. But yeah, he's a, he is everywhere. So Twice um, he's in a Marvel franchise. Yeah, he's in uh, five different comic book franchises. In cl- five? Franchise. Yeah, so he's in uh, Deadpool. Yeah. He's in um, Marvel. Yeah. Jonah Hex is one. Of S- course, yeah. Sin City is one. And yeah. what is the other one he's in? Guardians of the Galaxy is technically separate, but not really. And there's was, another one in there. Yeah, MCU. You know. And I know he was meant to be Batman at one point. He was up for Batman. Oh, fabulous. Um, and that lost, been... he lost to Ben Affleck for the role. Oh, uh, okay. So we could have had him there. But um, I'm sure there's another one that I can't remember that he was also in comic book movies. But That's I'm pretty cool. Sure pretty sure it's five. I'm, I didn't realise it was that many. Fabulous. But yes, uh, so before we go into his life, I just want to say, as usual, I've used IMDb and Wikipedia for some of this information, along with biography.com, along with other sites, just to corroborate their information. <laughs> and try and find some more about him because there ain't much. Sit down, you're too old to be standing. So, should we dive into his childhood? Hell yeah, we should. So, Joshua James Brolin uh, was born in Santa Monica, California on February 12, 1968. He is the eldest of two children, born to James Brolin and Jane Cameron, um, formerly known as Um James Brolin is a well-known TV actor. I don't know if you were aware of this, but his father mm-hmm. is an actor. He also did some film stuff. He um, Probably one of his biggest ones. He was uh, Reagan in a film in about 2003. But he's also primarily known for Marcus Welby, MD, and Hotel, two long-running TV shows that he was like a main character in. So I think at least like 170 episodes of both. So wow. Big, big TV actor. Um, his mother, less so, was a wildlife activist and an aspiring actress when she met James Brolin. But... Um, yeah, she didn't really do much acting, so she sort of focused on the activism more than anything else. His sister Jess also works in film, but she is behind the camera doing crew work and sound design. Oh, cool. So she doesn't do anything like that. So they've all sort of stayed in the Hollywood-esque thing. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, but there's a difference. Like uh, like most people, like we talk about, um, I don't know, Ben Stiller in the past, and like that, they're sort of aware of all of that. Um, he grew up away from the presence of Hollywood um, and was removed from his father's acting circle. He was raised on a ranch in Templeton, California, mm-hmm. and he attended a local high school. So he didn't actually see anything like that. He just sort of stayed on yeah. a ranch and they tried to separate him from it, which, you know, each their own. That's the way they wanted to do it. He did catch the acting bug again when he was in high school, acting. He decided to go into an acting class at the age of 15 in his junior year went, 
uh, let's see what all the what all the mm. shit's about. And then um, did that and got uh, cast as Stanley in A Streetcar Named Desire. And so good part. That's what I want to do, you know. So um, it's it's quite a good part in that in that play, mm. isn't it? I mean, I have all the black parts. Um, so That's cool. I wouldn't have had him pegged as Californian. Would you not? No. He's a big he's a big surfer boy and all sorts. Yeah. Yeah. He he strikes me funny. You say that he grew up on a ranch because he does. Texas. He strikes me more as like a not necessarily Texas, but like a yeah, like a ranch boy. Like I don't know, like Colorado or something. Maybe a bit further north, but. Bit more like raising horses. And yeah, that sort of yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know if it's just the roles he gets. I though. think it's just he's he's quite rugged looking. Yeah, and surfer boys aren't rugged looking, are they? It's also he's got like a deep, gravelly, gruff voice, isn't he? Yeah. It's not like it's not like uh, you're he looks like he could he could have been raised as Tom Waits' son. What do you mean? Just because of the voice is it? More, it's a bit you... of both. I think they look quite similar. A little dishevelled yeah. at points, but um, some sort of handsomeness under there. It's, <laughs> it's the difference of like him to like Keanu Reeves. Like you could go, oh, he grew up in Cali. You go. Oh yeah, I don't know if he does, but you know, it's that sort of. Mm. It's a different vibe. I don't know if it's just thinking of Point yeah, Break yeah, yeah. that I'm thinking of it. No, I get you. <laughs> um, at sixteen, his parents divorced, um, and he moved with his father and stayed more central part of California at that point okay. um, to focus on his acting. That same year, his first film, The Goonies, um, came out. Wow. He had a couple more film appearances, but really spent more time in TV before his big breakup performance in 1996 with Flirting with Disaster. Going back to his teens, though. So whilst 1996, he was... you say? Yeah, 1996, Flirting with Disaster was his big breakout. Wow. So that was 10 years after The Goonies. Yeah. Bloody hell. Okay. So he was he was trying to get film parts in and out at that point. But was it any notable TV stuff? Um, There was one... What's the name of it? Young Rebels, I believe it's called. It's, okay. He was also up for 21 Jump Street as the lead and lost out to Johnny Depp. Oh, um, no way. And he was like a bit part in... In that, for the first season, I think he was in like yeah. two episodes. Um, but yeah, Young Rebels, which sort of a bit of nepotism in it because it was he was a lead in it and his uh, father was a co-director or director on it. But yeah. I don't know if it was nepotism or he just went, yeah. you can go, you go for it. Um, nothing big, but that's that's. It was ninety six. He got his breakout. He's done a couple of films in between and a bit of TV. Mm. But whilst he was a team, he was part of a surfing gang called uh, the Seiko Rats, which is C I C O. So it might be Kiko or Chico, or but I think Seco sounds right to me. Mm. Um, it was Santa Barbara. This is a quote from him. It was Santa Barbara. It was the 80s. It was punk rock. You either had the children of the rich, neglectful parents, or children of poor. So it was a mix. You basically grew up in the same way. Um, I've never seen a group like that before or since. He also admitted to stealing cars to pay for his drug use that he was doing at the time, um, so, which also included heroin, um, which, as a drug, he explained he did not like. He said, I mean, I never got into it. I never died for it, which is a good thing. I have 19 friends who died. Most of those guys I grew up with, they're all dead now. So he had a... Jesus fucking Christ. So he had a bunch. He had a drug issue when he was younger, and he was stealing cars to help pay for that. I don't know when it fell in, so I felt like putting it in early teens at this point, so sort of when he's doing the Goonies and stuff, but it might be prior to that, might be later than that, but it does say teens... So 16 seems like a midpoint for teens in my head. <laughs> yeah, bloody hell. That's a lot. That's really heavy. Yeah. Um, but it was, it, the thing that I thought was interesting there was like, talking about rich, neglectful parents. So mm-hmm. like, I think he, he talks about it, I think, later on, but I didn't put a quote in. He obviously had quite a good relationship with his mum, but his dad was like more focused on what he wanted to do with acting. So mm. I don't know if he was making But he went to live with his dad? Because I guess that's what he wanted to pursue. He wanted to pursue acting, so did it. So yeah, I, I get wow. it. But yeah, that's all I've got pre-film mm-hmm. for him. Um, obviously, he started at the age of 16. It's hard to get a lot of 
pre-filmed yeah, yeah, stuff yeah, before that. So should we have a look at his personal life? Yeah. So Josh Brolin married his first wife, um, Alice Adair, in 1988 and stayed with her for six years where they um, had two children, Trevor and Eden. Eden is now following her father and grandfather's footsteps as an actress. She's been in a couple of things, nothing big. I did mm-hmm. look her up on there. So she's got a few projects that might pick up, but we'll have to wait and see. Cool. Um, whilst married to um, Alice, um, he lives on a Californian ranch with his children where he would direct plays and perform at the Reflections Festival in New York. Um, and he says that if he is any kind of actor, it's because of Rochester. So he did that up until about 1996 for five years, and then he got his break after that. Wow. So he, play, he he credits that experience to making him actually be an actor and yeah, yeah, yeah. that sort of thing. That's cool. Well, it's, it's interesting because, I mean... I like... I, it's Because he's quite a big presence. Yes. He... It seems fair that he would be in theatre, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. It's all definitely. about being large, isn't it? And Yeah, it's a different sort of acting, isn't it, to yeah. to film acting. But yeah, I, I, I think this is where he sort of honed it and he's I think you look on a lot of it, he's described as quite a charismatic guy and mm. he yeah, he's quite known for that sort of thing, quite a big gruff guy. I mean Oliver Stone cast him in the film W as George W. Bush, didn't he? Mm-hmm. Um, and the reason he cast him in that was because he describes Josh Brolin as a character actor, although he's good looking and things like that. He puts himself as a character actor first, which is probably something you've mm. learned whilst doing stage, where you become the character rather than just be, hey, you're paying to see me again. I can't. I could imagine seeing him as George W. Bush. He's very good. He, yeah, he got, the, the, had, to be, had to be convinced to be in the role. The best... George W. Bush that I've seen. I'm sidetracking here slightly, but it's a guy that we mention all the time. Sam Rockwell, Sam Rockwell in Vice is um, just phenomenal. Talking about Sam Rockwell, he actually beat him out for the role in Green Mile as well. So he's had a... Oh, did he really? Yeah. He was meant to be the pedo. Yeah, and Sam Rockwell Ooh. beat him out for it. Wow, okay. Yeah. I haven't got that written down here, but it's something I read. That would have been a cool <laughs> twist. It's, it's weird how many actors... I know... Um, Joaquin Phoenix mentioned it in his acceptance speech about Leo, where he was saying, like, all these great actors would go out for something, and you'd hear, Oh, Leo's going to be here. Leo's going to be here. And, and that was it, and you knew you weren't getting the part. But it's just, <laughs> I find it insane how close all these actors come to being, like, in, in sort of career-defining roles, which yeah. for Sam Rockwell, that was, I think, really, that was one of the first big things that cat, he got. It helped catapult him, definitely. Yeah. And... He's. It just seems odd to think that it could have not been him. Yeah, it's it, it's all it's just by a whisker, isn't it? And yeah. then you got people just still going. But it's interesting. Like Josh Brolin has, tends to be quite friendly with everyone. He sort of mm. lost out in parts too, and he yeah, goes, yeah. lost out in this part to this person. They're good friends. This yeah. one, they're good friends. Like he's just like, eh, chill, whatever. This is what's going on. Um, That's cool. Down, but Nietzsche Del Toro, he's really really good friends with. Who he's in loads of films. Yeah. With. Um, and he got told by a casting director, I think at Miramax. Um, after they auditioned for a part, and I don't know what it was for, he told them both they might be the worst auditioners she's ever seen. So that might be why he didn't get many parts growing up, because really? he's terrible at auditions, and so is Benicio Del Toro. Um, but both For something that they both went for, but neither... I don't know if they both got I think they auditioned together. It might have been for Sicario or Death something Note? like that. Death Note? Death Note, not Death Note. Uh, Death Proof. Um, he was in Death Proof. But did Benicio... No, no, but they went. Oh. They went to the same. Place. Oh, it was, like, it was like as in like a. Do- oh, yeah, maybe it was Sicario then. And going, you two are just terrible at this. <laughs> <laughs> Go get another job. Um, where was I? So yeah, also in his mid twenties, then he almost quit acting, 
Um, as you said, he disappeared for a little bit of time, being quite, mm-hmm. and that was due to one of his loves in stock trading. So over the course of three years, he made a large amount of money due to it. Yeah. He's so serious about playing Wall Street that he has a three-screen trade station in his house in LA that runs constantly and has different things on each screens. Um, he also helped create a day trading site called marketprobability.com, which gave his investors historical information and trends. Um, and a quote from him is, fear and greed, that's all there is. Um, and I traded uh, very specifically. I found momentum in stocks, I had room to breathe, and I grabbed just a little bit of breath. So yeah, Fucking he, hell. Yeah, made, he made bank over three years and thought, is it worth going to acting? Or should I keep doing this? Or should I just make money this way? That's so, hilarious. That's sick. So he That's does, just, yeah. yeah. Does a lot of day trading and makes a fair bit of money off it. He still, he still does it on the side and makes, mm. good for him, you know? Um, hey, you got to have money to make money. You have to, yeah. He has a lot of it. <laughs> <laughs> so this is all sort of early 20s and then obviously divorce. Um, and then on his 27th birthday, his mother died in a car crash. Oh, shit. Uh, which he struggled with, uh, understandably. Three years later, his m- dad remarried. So they'd already divorced, but his dad remarried mm-hmm. three years after his uh, mum died. And Josh Brolin is now stepson to Barbara Streisand. No way, really? Yeah. <laughs> what? That's so weird. Yeah, so Josh Brolin... His dad is married to Barbara Streisand. Yeah. Still married to Barbara Streisand. Yeah, as far as I can see, as far as I saw. That's fucking insane. Yeah, um, he was also engaged to Mini Driver. This is Josh Brolin now. was engaged to Mini Driver for six months, uh, but it eventually fell apart. In 2004, he married Diane Lane and was with her for nine years. Uh, until 2013, where they divorced. And then that same year, he began dating his former assistant and model, Catherine Boyd. Um, they were later engaged and married in 2018, and they have two daughters together. So, cool. so they're still together, though. They're ones. still together, but um, obviously um, a little sus under the circumstances, how it all came out. So married three times uh, and two, uh, four kids he's got now. One son, three daughters. Yeah, that's, yeah. That's, his, that's his personal life that I've got. Which, what a man. What a man. But is he a good man or is he a bad man? Is he naughty or nice? Oh. What do you think, Josh? Naughty or nice? Uh, naughty. You're going to say got, naughty? It's got to be. Well, You've already given me a lot of ammunition for naughty. It doesn't start well, does it, with, no. with that? So um, obviously, yeah, stole cars to buy drugs. Yeah. Um, on December 20th in 2004, Brian's wife at the time, Diane Lane, called police after an altercation with him. He was arrested on a misdemeanor charge of domestic battery. Fuck. Lane declined to press charges, and the couple's spokeswoman categorised the incident as a misunderstanding. So, Ooh, don't know. Okay. Um, in 2008, he was arrested after an altercation at the Stray Cat Bar in Louisiana, along with act- actor Jeffrey Wright and five other men who were on the crew of the film W. Brolin was released after posting a cash bond of $334. He did say, though, it was nice to be in jail, knowing that I hadn't done anything wrong. And it was maddening to be in jail knowing I hadn't done anything wrong. Charges against all seven, against all seven men were later dropped. But Jeffrey Wright is the the guy, the new Gordon, isn't it? I believe so, yeah. Fuck. Yes. Yeah, I can't but, imagine him getting in a fight. No. Um, do you want another police story? Let's go. Hell yeah. Brolin was arrested for public intoxication on New, York, new Year's Day 2013 in Santa Monica. Um... <laughs> The uh, remainder of 2013 proved very difficult with him, which he later explained. Well, it was another turning point that made me think of a lot of things. My mum dying when I was in my 20s, all the impact that it had on me, I hadn't moved past it. I was always such a mama's boy, but I realised it was such a, I was on such a destructive path. I knew I had to change and mature. So yeah, he's had three runs in the law and he's also 
um, stole cars to buy heroin. Bloody hell. So, and I got, he wasn't in the UN. He's not, none no, of those stuff for him. He's not one of them. So, that's all I've got on him. There's no charitable work that I can Who's see. He so, unfortunately for Mr. Brolin, although it seems like he's everything sort of back on path now. He has been a naughty boy in the past. He's been he's been a very naughty boy yeah. actually. That's quite a lot. A That's quite a lot of stuff. A misunderstanding. Yeah. It's 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 I I don't want to guess, but it's it's loose words, isn't it? It's he it feels like quite a um, the lifestyle he leads. It almost feels like with the stocks and that sort of. I wouldn't. Oh, I don't it's, know. Is this defamation? I wouldn't be surprised if he's if he's just bumping lines every night to you know. It might have been just moved. fucking. It sounds like when it. he was younger, he was definitely like, let's chase it, let's see, let's live life to the fullest, that sort but of thing. Let's do. It I feel don't care. like I don't know. Yeah, between stocks and domestic violence, if he was dropped, if he'd been born thing. in the early two thousands, he'd be someone shouting YOLO. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, and acting on it. Yeah, so um, unfortunately for Mr. Brolin, he's getting no presents this year. No. Just a lump get, of coal. Getting some coal. Which he'll then somehow turn into some sort of profit. <laughs> <laughs> um, let's have a look at his notable accomplishments. Hell yeah. So he's had a total of 51 nominations and 18 wins across all the sort of film boards and things like that. Wow, that's um, a lot. But, only, but very few for like the big ones. So like he's had one Oscar nomination, uh, which was for Best Supporting Actor in the film Milk. Yeah, in 2009. with Sean Payne. With Sean Penn, yeah, where he plays the the guy who uh, does the bang shoots. Um, yeah, tries to kill him. Um, <laughs> he's also had four Screen Actor Guild nominations as well. So he got... Um, 2008, he was nominated twice for Outstanding Cast. Mm-hmm. One for American Gangster and, and one for No Country for Old Men. Mm-hmm. He won with No Country for Old Men. Yeah. Um, and he's also been nominated twice in 2009, both for the film Milk, where he was nominated for Outstanding Cast and Outstanding Supporting Actor, neither of which he won. Yeah. Um, but he's also had one Golden Raspberry nomination as well for worst screen couple in the film Jonah, Jonah Hex with with Megan, Megan Fox. Fox. Yeah, so that's <laughs> that's it. And he hasn't paid for a star on the Hollywood. No, so. he's got no star. Bless Not yet. Hell. I mean, and he's yet. got the money. He could have uh, you know traded it off someone. Who knows? Yeah, I think that's how it works. <laughs> I yeah. I don't know. How, I don't know how stocks will work. <laughs> It'll be on one of his screens, won't it? Yeah, <laughs> but yeah, that is the life and everything we've got about a Mister Brolin, a Mister yeah. Mister Oven Griddle, Mister Oven Grill, Oven Griddle with no team. Yep, <laughs> no team, a solo Oven Grill. Oh no, no, it's with a team. Oh, it's got to be with a team, yeah, because got why in there? Team. <laughs> God, that's, that was it was bad, wasn't it? Don't don't worry, you wait for the clue this week. <laughs> oh, I look forward to it. So, should we move into the movies? The reason we're here. Yeah, let's do um, it. You know, we're, we're, we're just really two young guys who ha- uh, we're fortunate enough to be involved with a lot of great people wh- whom uh, it's coming upon us to... There's no way we're doing this in less than 20 seconds. So, um, every episode, me and Josh, um, we go through three of his movies in depth. There's a lot to choose from for Mr. Brolin. Um, but the way it works is that um, I will choose a movie to review... Josh will choose a movie to review, and then we'll choose our movie of the episode, which yeah. this week is potentially one of the most hyped movies I've ever been for, and just across the world, is Dune. Yeah. But done hopefully well is what everyone was hoping for, because David Lynch was treated poorly. 
I think it was. I think the original was. It was it's not regarded as a bad film, is it's it? It's not. I mean, he filmed over eight hours of footage that he wanted to do. Yeah, and they went here. You go. You got. I think it was. <laughs> I think it's one of those things. It's, it goes alongside. Um, what's the JG Ballard that's been uh, High Rise? Is they they're cited as sort of these impossible for directors to get right because there have been a few adaptations and yeah, I think. I think Dune is a massive undertaking. It very much is, and you need to be left free to sort of do what you want to do rather than the yeah. getting too medley up there. But yeah, anyway, we've chosen films ourselves. Yes. So um, we'll... Chronologically. We'll I do wonder, it chronologically. I wonder, what, I wonder oh, yeah. which one's going to but, go first. Um, I, this, this week I have chosen the film The Goonies, yeah. and Josh has chosen... No Country for Old Men. So yeah, it'll definitely be me first, because there's a good 22-year gap before between my film and your film. Yeah. And then another 14 years between that film and Dune. <laughs> yeah, bloody hell. Doesn't time flies. Like that time yeah. flies, doesn't it? Oh, age is creeping up on you, Josh. That's what <laughs> it is. So, um, yeah, let's dive into the first film, The Goonies. Um, and I guess it'll be for me to do the plot yeah. of The Goonies. I think this is on you. In a minute. Um, Whenever but, you're ready, mate. Um, okay, so this takes place in the Goondocks area in Oregon. Hence why they're called the Goonies. Uh, Sean Astin's dad, um, he played, well, Sean Astin plays Mickey. He has an older brother called uh, Brendan, played by Josh Brolin. And then he's got three other friends called Data, Mouth, and Chunk. Um, they are the Goonies, and they go on adventures together, and they're scared. It's going to be the last day of summer. What adventure can we do? Who knows? Let's go up and clear up the attic. Oh, what's this? A map with a doubloon to lead to the One-Eyed Willie's treasure? Don't worry, Mikey's heard this before because One-Eyed Willie is the original Goonie. <laughs> they're going to go off and they're going to find the treasure. But So they go off to try and find where they're meant to go and they find a hut. There's also a crime family uh, going on at the same time called the Fratellis, mm-hmm. hence the band the Fratellis. Um, and they interact with them. They start threatening to kill the kids because they're bad people. And they hide. They start running away. Chunk gets caught and makes friends with their deformed son called Sloth. And they basically go off down this um, cavern to discover One-Eyed Willie's treasure on the boat, the Lazarus, I believe it's called. Um, and on One-Eyed Willie's boat, they start going through all the treasure. The Goonies, uh, the Fratellis catch up with the Goonies. They're in peril. They have to get away. They manage to escape. <laughs> They get out. The whole place starts collapsing. They meet. They meet up with everyone on the beach for some reason because everyone's waiting on the beach to sign the foreclosure notices. <laughs> and then the boat goes past. But don't worry, the housekeeper Rosalie has found some jewels still hidden on Mikey's clothes, and they don't have to foreclose, and they can stay the goodies forever. Nice. It's the best summer ever. <laughs> that was a good two minutes, <laughs> honestly. But I don't know. <laughs> I got yeah. all the points. You you did yeah the sorry the foreclosure didn't come in until the end. It got mentioned at the beginning. You did. You said it's the last day of summer. They just bought. Oh no! I said foreclosure was the very first. <laughs> oh, word was it? Is yeah. Their house has been foreclosed. I might be wrong, but that's oh, how I meant to start. Yes. Yeah. yeah. That's it. Um. Yeah. So a a children's classic, an eighties children's classic with Steven Spielberg at the helm. Yeah. Christopher Columbus also there, isn't he? Wait, no, no, no. It's not. It's not. It's not Spielberg. Spielberg is involved in this. It's yeah, but it's not Spielberg. It's the guy who directed. Um, it's the horror director. Yeah, yeah. We. Um, oh, what's his name? Uh, it's by Richard Donner. But yeah. screenplay was written by Christopher Columbus, and the story was also by Spielberg because oh, they came up. Is this the one? I think this is where they came up with the idea for it on holiday after shooting Raiders. Oh right, okay. And they came up with the idea for the Goonies or something on those lines. But yeah, it's, 
they got a bunch of them together and they got a bunch of kids together and they had a good time. Apparently yeah. they had a lot of fun on this film. Just the fraternities mental. are played by, uh, you got Cypher in there from yes. The Matrix. I mean, or Ralphie for you Sopranos fans. Um, you've got the other, the other guy is, I've forgotten his name, but he's the Bond villain in uh, License to Kill. Yeah, you also got um, Corey Feldman as Mouth. Yeah, Corey Feldman, who I like, but it's, he's didn't he? He's the one who got ousted from Hollywood, isn't he? It's because no, he didn't get ousted. He was um, he came out about a paedophile ring running yeah. in Hollywood, and basically was quite. But I thought he was it. quite. Yeah, he, he's not he, working. He wasn't in anything after that. He was in a few films after this because he was in like, Stand by Me. He was also in Friday the Thirteenth Part Five or something like that. He yeah. was in quite a lot of. But it. I mean, after the ousted. He didn't work after being a kid no. actor, no. Um, that's that's it. But which I feel, which I don't think he deserved. I think he's, I think he was a good kid actor. He was a good kid actor. He he looks weird as an adult actor now, but you do find that with a lot of kid actors normally they mm. they you look great. They like that good like kid look. Yo, that's what we want as a kid. And then they go, you still look like that weird <laughs> kid as an adult now. It's like yeah. Haley Joel Osment, for example, looks very much like he did as a kid. Yeah, you know, and like, um, Macaulay Culkin. Yeah. Yeah, others that sort of survived. Issue, Drew yeah. Barrymore got out of it. Josh Brolin got out of it. But Josh, <laughs> but Josh Brolin was sixteen when yeah, he did yeah, this. Yeah, yeah, of course. Um, but the Goonies. Um, I am a huge fan. I've got. An, I don't know. It's a film that I really enjoyed and look back on. You yeah. never had that sort of experience with the Goonies, did you? Well, you say that. I feel like I had the prime Goonies experience in that the first time I ever watched it was at a sleepover with loads of mates at the age of like 13, 12. Something like that. Which I feel is pretty prime Goonies viewing, but, but it just didn't do it for me. Was it just after a massive LAN party or something like that, so you didn't quite get the <laughs> idea of going outside? <laughs> no, funny enough, it was it was a mate who's, who lived out in the sticks, so we, oh. we were we were adventurers. But it's, yeah, yeah. it's, um, I don't know, I, it, I think it, I just, it just... Doesn't gel. Doesn't gel with me. you, but it's that's fine. I mean, I think it's good fun the whole way through, and it does uh, yeah. work. It's that it's it's that typical. We're all a bunch of odd bud kids and misfits yeah. and stuff, and they all I band do, together. Don't get me wrong. Stuff. I love the I love the sentiment, and I wish that there was some sort of I don't know ride or experience or something where you could go into the cave and go down the you know through the waterfall and fight yeah. and down the water slide and all that sort of and stuff. And fight the giant squid that didn't exist. And fight the giant, giant, giant octopus, octopus that yeah. didn't exist. Yeah. But, no, I and and I would be totally there for that. And equally, I, I would say it's, you know, every kid's dream to do this. I would still love to go on a proper treasure hunt like this now. Like, yeah. it, I, I love it as that, yeah. as the concept, I think is great. And I really uh, sympathise. I really... I really get it, but for me, the film as a whole you watch as an doesn't, external doesn't yeah. do it for me. Uh, that's fair enough. I, I disagree, and everyone's gonna have their own ways. I I, I don't mm. know something about it. I just think yeah, it's a lot of fun. I, that's the, yeah, it's fun. And yeah, I don't know. I think it's just. But yeah, don't get me time. wrong. I don't think it's a bad film. Oh no, and I, mean, I don't think it's not fun. I was never so. called. I was never called a goonie um, or anything like that. I mean, probably should have been, but you know. <laughs> <laughs> I yeah, I'd have, I'd have killed to be in the Goonies for sure. Oh, but I, yeah, and I mean, I remember growing up and chatting sloth love chunk constantly at people. Ah uh, right, yeah. I I'm gonna can I skip can I skip to my my least favorite because you've just touched on it. My least favorite bit of this entire film is 
sloth. Oh, you're just too, it's too politically correct, Josh. That's the problem. <laughs> well, I do, yeah, yeah. He was a nightmare, maybe, but the it's actor. but it's just. I know it sounds silly, but to be fair, the whole Fratelli's gang feels wrong and off and yeah. unnecessary. I don't think you need it. You need I that d- extra peril in there, yeah. You need a reason why someone's chasing you. But even then, the gold but as well. even then, it doesn't need to be. I don't think you need the extra peril, and you know, as a sort of denomination of that, I don't think you need sloth. But even with the extra peril, the, there are constant booby traps and issues that they are finding in the cave. And I don't think that I ever sort of went, "Oh, well, the bad guys are going to get it," because they left in their wake a load of you know, pulled booby traps. Well, that I, I think it, it's more that if they were going slow, because if you could, didn't have that sort of someone's behind us trying to get to us, data was meant to be they'd such take a good, their time. They'd take their time to get through it and you don't have the that part. That's no, but the, no, but the time them. limit was already on there because they had to do it by a certain day before the foreclosure happened. Yeah, but that wasn't that wasn't a real. I know it was a time limit, but it wasn't like no, the kids were what, checking the watches. No, or but that like was that. why they were doing it, wasn't it? Oh, that yeah. was the whole. It was probably, I I I think. They I do th- think the Fratellis are unnecessary in this film as a whole. But it has I don't br- like Sloth. Cause a great opening. Sloth's great. Ch- he gets a great ending. He gets to go and live with Chunk's family. But I don't like Chunk either. Chunk, what, the normal-sized kid who's called Fat? Yeah. I know. <laughs> they, it's so, like, every other kid in that is so skinny. It's like, <laughs> do the truffle shuffle and nothing really moves. Oh, look, it's, it's a regular kid just yeah. rubbing his belly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Exactly, but this is the thing. I don't. I don't really like Chunk. I didn't find the like the interrogation bit with Chunk funny, and his relationship with Sloth funny or endear. It's definitely not endearing. I think it's nice. Do you? Yeah, I like. I the... think it's weird. <laughs> it's but it's because it's the first time Sloth has any got some like, actual affection. Yeah, okay. so I, yeah, I, 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 get I that. It. it just shows how, and that's part of it. it shows how awful the Fratellis are. They. Mm. They'll keep the kid. They won't get rid of him, but they'll just leave him chained to a t- chair watching yeah. a TV the whole time. Well, did day. you notice the, the, you know, the director referencing himself with the super... Because he directed the original Superman. Right, And yes. obviously there's the bit where he, he rips Superman. off his shirt and he's got the Superman and he's been watching Superman on the TV. I was like, that's on the nose as yeah. hell. <laughs> he's, yeah, the actor as well who played Sloth was, uh, I think he's an ex-wrestler as well and had a lot, he died not long after this film. He's a big film. boy. Big boy who's a drinking problem and stuff like oh, that. Really? So he was drunk on the set the whole time and he was a real pain in the ass to work with Fuck just because he was quite aggressive with the other adults. Great with the kids apparently, but just not great with mm. the other adults. But yeah, so but yeah, he it is weird, and and um, the thing is, I enjoy it. Mm. I'm holding my hands up and say that's strange. And I, <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it's not. I mean, is it more questionable than the first kiss scene? For no, that's an issue as well. <laughs> that's that's <laughs> another did, issue. When did you have braces? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so obviously, I've got to mention that they find like Josh Brolin's girlfriend and friend along the way and they get taken down they find yeah that's well he's he's cycling on a little bike and then this this, thing then this dick starts chasing him on a tiny bike off the edge of a hill genuinely trying to kill him it was very 80s wasn't it there's a lot of death in this well there's not there's not really it's just potential death isn't it I mean at the very beginning there's there's a lot of gunshots and stuff but I don't think anyone dies really the, the dead like police officer literally falls on. You don't know he's dead. He's got a bullet hole in his is head. It, <laughs> it's, a, it's a kids' film. You don't know he's dead. <laughs> it's yeah, yeah. There's a lot of that. There's. 
It's a. Re- I think tone. I think that's the issue I have with this. I think tonally, it is a really weird film. I love the concept. I really love the concept. It's like every kid's dream. Yeah. But it just doesn't. Well, I think it, yeah. with the pulpy nature, and that's what it is. It yeah. is real. Like, and they had so many extra ideas. We've already mentioned there was going to be a giant octopus thing, yeah. which um, you can see in Cindy Lauper's music video, which is on the Goonies, which is 13 minutes long or something, because she was also the musical director for the film. It's Cindy Lauper, which is was why she? her yeah, which is why her song is the one that's the oh, theme yeah, for it. Yeah, yeah. Um, but she's got like a 13 minute music video, and they in that music video there's shots of the giant octopus, which they cut from the ending film, and then obviously have that Hell. one sentence. Yeah, we just followed. Where giant did octopus. it come into it? it we're, we're, by the ship. Yeah. Um, I, talking of worst parts for me, um, the kiss is questionable. I was trying to remember. There was another point. I was like, I'm not sure if I agree with with that, and I can't remember what it was. I'll come back to me. I'm gonna. I've, I had it a second mm-hmm. ago. But what's your most enjoyable part then? Uh, <laughs> uh, my most enjoyable part is probably like I love the bit. I like the bit in the well where like where they don't realise they're just in a wishing well they're like we found the treasure and they go in and they're like oh these are just all the coins people have chucked in and it's actually it's great because it's like I really wish I could do that it gave me the sense of like I know it felt very like Disney ride-esque that you like go through the water and you get a bit wet and then there's all this treasure and then but then equally it's quite a sort of you uncover little bits about the characters as it goes on and stuff and I thought the bit where he's going oh well this is my wish this is my and I'm taking it back because you know it's a load of shit I thought that was quite endearing to his character because up to that point it's a growth it's, again, it, well, he's called Mouth isn't he and he is a gobby little shit yeah. And then that's like a bit where you sort of go, oh, actually, he's he's having a rough time of it. Yeah. And I quite like that. And I'm, I like, you know, just data makes me laugh. Yeah. So I, I feel like he shouldn't, but he does. Yeah, I get that. <laughs> but it's like inventions that don't quite work. Oh, yeah, that that I really, I do enjoy all that. I mean, that. that's... I got, that was potentially my favourite part it sounds stupid it's right at the end with, with, with all that it's the fact that Data's dad is. Yeah. it just shoots the camera out and it bounces and I was like alright so his dad loves him and there's their real love there and yeah. you look at the other family there's like a proper like growth and that's the thing like they cared that they were gone mm. and there was that worry and there's the genuine collective like we did it we survived yeah. which I really like the bit that I didn't like in this yeah, film, I remembered it. It's when Mouth is translating for the housekeeper. Because I find the whole housekeeper thing more... This woman's following, doesn't speak a yeah, word of yeah, English. Yeah. It's almost like she's just found her on the middle of the road in the middle of a car chase. Yeah. And gone, you're now my house cleaner. Best of luck. Here's some gobby person who lives down the road who's going to threaten you. <laughs> it's like, this feels more off than any other part of the film. Which bit, though? Which translated bit? The end bit? or the... No, at the very beginning where he's translating... What, with it? the drugs? Oh, I thought that was funny. Oh, I... But... I thought that was really funny where but... he's... <laughs> He's like, you must separate the cocaine from <laughs> Which I, there were bits that I thought, that's funny on its own, but I was thinking about the leader, because this woman oh, has right, been yeah. shown beforehand. It looks like she has no idea what's so going on. So it's less about Malstra, it's more about the concept of that character. It feels like whole. she's been trafficked by the mum. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> yeah. Where I was like, 
really? We're just going to find this woman who speaks no English. She's going to pack up the house for us. And this woman's like, what What am I doing here? I don't speak any English. Oh, it's, yeah. But outside of that, lots of good fun. And, yeah. it's, and it's got young Samwise Gamgee in it Yeah, as he, well. And he's good. He he really, really shines, shines through in this film, yeah. doesn't he, as the lead. Um, yeah. um, I've, I've also heard a lot of people talk about that sort of kiss in there is again sort of like a, a sexual awakening for other people. Was she the same uh was it the same girl who was in um fuck what's it called Red Dawn? Was she that her? Looks, uh, or is that just because it's you know every what, same every, every 80s, 80s girl every 80s girl <laughs> who has the same haircut <laughs> That same thing. I'm not sure if she is the same one in Red Dawn. I can't. I was gonna say Red Dawn had Molly Ringwald in it, but that's no, she, not right. She, it's one of them is the mum from Back to the Future. I think this is the other one. Um, yeah, the mum in Back to the Future is Leah Thompson. Um, Jennifer Grey. No, she's from Ferris Bueller's Day Off. That one from uh, Red Dawn. Um, right. Sorry. And the one from the Goonies, um, she was specifically selected for it. I can't remember why she was, um, but I might be, I might be an idiot and can't remember, which is true. The the sort of love triangle, like not love triangle, but the sort of feelings between Mouth and the other friend when there's clearly a bit of an age gap as well. Like why were they trying to shoehorn that? I don't, I don't know. But regardless, I think it's a good fun film and one that if you missed it in. I think Mr. in Youth, you may not enjoy it, but it's one of those, I think it's such a cultural sort of touch and pop culture sort of thing now. It's worth the watch. That's the thing that really baffles me about this film. I don't get how it is so pop culture-y. Do you not? I don't get what it is about it that makes it so special. I don't get why this is more pop culture-y than like... Well, actually, I'm going to use it as an example. Red Dawn. I get one isn't really a kid's film, but... That's the big it's thing. the same sort of adventure and like this is better than Red Dawn. Yeah, yeah, it is. Yeah, uh, yeah. And it's also fine. Got, it's got it's also got bigger, more I suppose bombastic, shall we say, adventure rather than the commies are coming. We've got to hide. It's <laughs> yeah. it's a uh, oh no, I'm going on a treasure hunt. There's a skeleton with one eye there, and there's a random Italian crime family chasing me. <laughs> yeah, but it's but I don't think the weird is a substitute for good no I'm not saying good. that I'm I just saying there's, that's the reason why it probably sticks out more yeah okay and then there was also there was a game that followed it that and then there was a second there? there was a game that came out on the Atari then it got moved on and then I think somewhere in Japan made a second version of the game called The Goonies 2 something and then the game got released in America but then no second Goonies film came but it had a different title so everyone was looking for the so it became a whole like folklore legend so there's so oh, much surrounded this right, film okay. um, there's um, a great podcast I'm going to process this one called The Wizard and the Bruiser they do fandoms they mm. go a deep dive into the Goonies and it's insane the whole filming process and all the stuff surrounding whilst it whilst well I was watching it. it you say about like uh, you know it became a legend and stuff I genuinely was like is this actually happening it feels like one of those things where it, it's just, you know, the kids have cobbled it together between them. <laughs> yeah, it feels like it shouldn't but work. Then, but then suddenly there are things where it is real and, like, they do actually find diamonds and pay for the fucking house and stuff. But it, this film could have ended before that with them just sort of... 
dying down a well. <laughs> well, no, 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 no. Before that, as in like them climbing down the ladder from the attic, and yeah. it's like this is this adventure they've come up with looking oh, yeah. at the items in the attic, and it's, it's, dude, it's just weird. It's it is really well done, but it's just weird. But I think, and I think is, that's it for me. But I think it is meant to be that kid's imagination. And yeah. the, the big thing for this, which is really impressive, is they've managed to find a bunch of kid actors who all could act. Yeah, it is. <laughs> but if you, as you say, if you look at them though, they are, um, like Data was in other stuff, wasn't he? Yeah, it's, he's short round, isn't he? In uh, he is short round, isn't yeah. he? Yeah, well, which obviously you know Spielberg, Spielberg and um. But they are, yeah, as you say, they, it's, it is impressive they found a full cast of actable children. Of actable children, which is very hard to come by. So, with that all in mind, you're yeah. not liking it. Well, no. <laughs> no, yeah. okay, what's, what's your rating? Yeah, okay, so the, yeah, me disliking it, but conceding it is a good film. I've given it a three and a half. I don't, I don't, I couldn't give it any less. I gave it um, four eyed willies. Oh, so, nice. yeah, four out of five. And I don't think I could go any higher than that either. I feel like mm. it's somewhere between that 3.5, 4 mark. I enjoy it, which is why... Probably, I could probably stretch to a 3, but I, don't, I think I do. I enjoy... Honestly, it does. It just sucks me in with, like, I want to be there. Oh, yeah, that's it. Totally. And, and that's, that's what it does it for me. Yeah. Brilliant. Should we move on to his next film, then? Yes. A very tonally different film. Really tonally different. So, we jump forward 22 years into the future... Um, and we get No Country for Old Men. Yeah, and Josh Brolin is out hunting. Ooh. And he shoots a deer. He clips it. He goes to track it and then sees that there's a dog. It's a it's an actual dog. That shouldn't be out here. He sees where the dogs come from and stumbles across upon what was a shootout. Looks for the last man to survive. Finds him. Finds cocaine. And finds money. Two million dollars to be exact. Um... He then tries to run away with the money with his wife whilst they are being chased by... Oh, God. It sounds like Sugar. What's his name? The uh, What? How you the, ever, uh, have you ever done yeah. character? I'll tell you in a second. Keep going. Anton Sugar. Something yes. like that. Um, anyway, he's after them. They're on the run. And one by one, death. He gets closer to them. Tommy Lee Jones is also looking for him. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know what there's. I don't know what more. Yeah, it's to... a very it's a very classic. The classic idea of what a Coen Brothers movie is. It's yeah, nothing a, really changes at the end. It's a moment for the for the vast majority of the world. You know, yeah, it's a moment in time. Mm. You've just joined at a point. Anything can happen in that point. Life is not confirmed throughout it. Is it? <laughs> Anything could happen. Yeah, um, yeah. It's great. I remember watching this in the cinema when it came out. I watched it twice in the cinema when it came out. Mm-hmm. Watched it once with my dad, once with my friends. Loved it both times. It, I was not old enough to. Were you not? No. Well, in 2007. No. I, it was a 15, so yeah. I was the right age. Yeah. So I got, I got in there and watched it, and I loved it. It was it, that. It was like, this is this. These are movies. Yeah. <laughs> like that was the point. You go. This is cinema. You know, with no country for in. It just it just blew me away. And as you said, it's it's a nice slow burn film. For mm-hmm. the, it's two hours exactly, I think, or two hours, two minutes. Two hours, two minutes. Yeah. Um, but it's a slow burn film through the whole time. And there's the, as you said, the closing impending dread of mm. Javier Baldem's character, which is... It's um, like, it follows, Chicago. but real. Yeah, but an actual person doing <laughs> it. 
Um, I love. It also helps it, the time frame it's setting because it's set in the nineteen eighty. Well, it's set in nineteen eighty, not the eighties. It's set in nineteen eighty exactly, mm. where you don't have the mobile phones, you don't have all this. It's mm. the payphone era. It's the this person's doing it, and you go that could actually happen. And also, uh, Anton Chico has potentially one of the best weapons yeah. of anyone. Which I'm is glad the, you touched on that. Yeah, which is the the, the bolt gun. Bolt gun, which is the air compression, which Tommy Lee Jones does talk about um, briefly, doesn't he? To um, Josh Brolin's wife. Yes, describing it killing an animal when actually he's talking about how her husband might die. Yeah, <laughs> but it was, yeah, it's because he was talking about his that friend, and uh, which mm. didn't exist because he didn't remember the story afterwards. Mm. Everyone in this does such a believable job. There's no character at any point I doubt no. in their performance. Woody Harrelson is in it for such a brief moment as well. Yeah, he's great. Doing a great job with his Tennessee accent, pretending to be a Texan, <laughs> with his massive hat. Um, to be honest, the problem is you talk about it and really it is Javier Bardem's film. Although it's Josh Brolin's film, really, well, it's the money's film. Javier Bardem is the character you walk away from going... Fuck me, he was terrifying. Did she win anything for this? I don't think so. Don't think he got. I know the film did. The film won best picture, picture, and it beat. This is there will be. This is one of the 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 many disagreements on films that Josh and I have. It's it's a minor disagreement because I I was wouldn't been upset with either one winning. I think both are masterpieces in their own right. But we are the the two the two sides of. I I think there will be blood. It's the best film, and you think this is. Um, we're not here to talk about there will be blood. There will be blood. I think is a better cinema. Cinema, cinematography and all that thing. I think, cinema, yeah, cinema experience. I think mm. is a better movie. Is no, uh, no country for old Bay. Yeah, fair. That's that's yeah. why I draw the line. <laughs> but it's it is fabulous, and as you said, it is classic Coen Brothers. My favorite thing about this film, and it's a thing about the film rather than a specific moment. Perfect. Um, it is the lack of score. Yeah, there's no music in this at all, and it is, you don't realize how much, uh score can bring to a film as much as take away from it until you watch this film and there is none because it makes you know the score is used in horror to create tense moments yet i feel so tense in this film when there is no sound at all you know it's it's such a it's all about that realism thing and that as you say it's like the sense of dread is enough to to give you that uh experience but the lack of score is just i think a masterful um decision by the coen brothers very much so i was just having a little look it got uh four awards the 80th anniversary academy awards best picture mm-hmm. um and oh, original just, screenplay didn't uh, it's not original it's adapted is it adapted it's is adapted it? book yeah from um, a book yeah, called No Country for Old Men. <laughs> oh, that's cool. I didn't realise that. I genuinely thought this... I know it sounds silly. If it doesn't feel like a book. It feels like a film. Yeah, I get there that. There are certain films you can watch. Actually, we'll come on to one next. Javier Bardem did win Best Supporting Actor in that Oh, he film. did. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, as I said, we'll, we'll, we'll come on to... This. Yeah, it's, it's the exact opposite of... It won, sorry, Best Picture, Best Director, Best Supporting Actor. Mm-hmm. And... Oh. And best adapted screenplay. Oh, okay, adapted yeah. screenplay. So rather yeah. than original. Um, but yeah, it's it's the exact same. It, to me, this feels like a film that was a film, whereas Dune, which we're going to come on to, very much feels like you're watching a book. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah, definitely. I, like you are, you've got this time. It's very much feels like it is written for the screen. It didn't feel like oh, there's a lot in here to take in. Or anything. it's mm. like you're you're here for. It's not. It's, it's you're here for a journey of the soul, isn't it? But it's like it's a, you feel every mm. moment. It's like you've they've put it together for a visual medium. That's mm. that's what it is, rather than you're imagining yourself like no, this is how it's meant. To, you know, this is how you mm. can build it and what you could do with it. It's it's great and. The Josh Brolin sort of angst and panic. I think my, I'm going to talk about my favourite bit now. Mm. It's less of a overall feeling. It's the interaction, which is mirrored again at the end, mm. is his interaction with the three guys coming with the bottle of beer to try and get the shirts when he's crossing into, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. into Mexico. I really like that thing. Of like, oh, can you give me a shirt for like five hundred? And they try and get more money out of him and all that sort of thing. It's a real interaction with a hurt guy, but mm. adults have lost any sort of innocence that's going on, they are just driven by greed, which is sort mm. of what Josh Brolin's character is doing. And then at the end, when Javier Bardem just crashed his car, he has an interaction with the two kids and he wants the shirt and the mm. kid willingly gives it. He goes, you don't need to give anything to me. Don't do that. And if Brolin's character had just been that sort of happy with what you are right now, all of this would have been gone. So it's that sort of mirroring of the two people yeah. interaction, which I thought was a really nice callback and build up in the film, which it's pretty underrated as a whole, but I think it was, it's mm. a really good set of interactions. Yeah. I, Javier Bardet, there's, I just want, I, I'm not going to say exactly when, but there's after a bit. You, you can do, it's, it's a 12 year old film. It's yeah, that's A 14 true. year old film. So there's ambiguity, obviously, after he has a chat with Josh Brown's wife. Whether, yeah. Whether he's killed her or not, because it's sort of leaves on a coin, co- coin toss. Toin cost? A time um, cost, yes. And I, I can, re- I don't remember noticing it the first time around. I remember if you'd asked me, does he kill her? I'd have said, I don't know. But I noticed this time around, when he leaves the house, he checks his feet. Yeah. As he's leaving, which is like, have I got blood on him? Well, I, I, it could be that. I don't know if he has though. Just but no, and the only reason I say it is because he seems aware of it because when he kills Woody Howson's character... He keeps his feet away from it. He literally he, raises them, doesn't he? And and they emphasise it. And I don't think they would have done that had that not had some bearing on sort of his attitude to, towards what he does. And yeah. he does and he does the same... It, they, he, he's got a thing about it because he does the same when... Even with his socks, when he's in the shootout in the motel. Yeah. And he gets blood on his socks and he takes them off and leaves them. Yeah, that's true. I think that's there's a like whole a thing, thing about there's a whole thing about shoes in this, though, isn't there? Whole there's a lot the about shoes in this, and a, a, every character has <laughs> a bit about shoes. Yeah, <laughs> maybe it's a massive fu to uh, Tarantino. Tarantino go, no, yeah. we're covering our feet in this one. <laughs> <laughs> I don't care what you want. It's gonna be a lovely shot with all the all the feet covered. Yeah, it's no, good. it's it's. I like that as well. It's, Any bits you don't like? It's hard to work out what I potentially don't like. In this film, I don't think there's bits I don't like. I mean, I also really like how Josh Ryan's character dies as well. Mm-hmm. As well, I, I love that section. I know a lot of people were a bit underwhelmed by it because they're like, mm. "Oh, I didn't see anything." You go, "Don't need to see anything." It's, it's, not, it's, it's not the point. It's yeah. not the point of what we're here for. Um, I potentially don't like how underutilized Tommy Lee's character is in it, and I get why he's so sort of mm. on the outskirts looking in. But I would have liked some sort of crossover 
almost not a crossover, like him interacting inadvertently with Javier Bardem, even if it's just like him oh, passing yeah, in a car yeah. or something like that, like he could have done more because the whole thing is about him wanting to be out and noticing a few extra mm. things, but just to show that there are faults who, and stuff from that. Who do you think ends up with the money? Who ends up with the money? I think, um, I think it's the Mexicans make up for the money. Do you? The ones, the ones that interact with the mother. Yeah, right, okay. I thought that and but. then, again, on the rewatch, <clears throat> I didn't realise this, this film needed a rewatch. I think it needs several rewatches. Um, <laughs> when Tommy Lee Jones goes into the hotel room yeah. to look for anything, because he, you know, he's had the discussion about returns to senior crime and all that. Does he notice the vent or something? So the vent is opened, yeah. which could have been the Mexicans or whatever. Yeah. But specifically, the vent is opened and the thing that's next to it that's been used to open it is a coin. So that makes me think that... Javier Bardem's Javier got it. Bardem has it. That makes sense. Um, and also would explain why he's so happy to throw away money in the end. Definitely, but I mean... I, but, but then he's already said money's never been an option for him. No, it's yeah, that's true. It's just about the, the job um, and his his word and all that. Yeah, because he's, he's presented almost, not even animalistic, just dogged in what he does. I know it's not animalistic and they used an animal thing, but it's, it's I don't care what you've done if you've wronged me. I'm just going to do what I need to do yeah. and just get, get over and done with. He's just um, he's, methodical. <clears throat> he, yeah, he's, he's horrific just to look at and just to be mm. around in this film. And one of the great screen presences mm. as, as, a, as a villain. Um, I've never been able to look at him the same since this film, to be honest. Yeah, fair. I think it's, but it has helped his career because he does keep getting these villain roles. Like obviously, he was Spectre in Bond as well, wasn't mm. he? Which, uh, Spectre Skyfall. Um, but he was great in that as well as a mm. as a villain. Um, I think he's just great whenever he shows up. Yeah, he is great whenever he shows up. Better than Jeffrey Dean Morgan, whoever mistakes him for, who's also is all right actor, but he's no Javier Bardem. No, of course not. No Javier Bardem. He's no beautiful. <laughs> um, so, what did you give this film as a rating? It's got a five from me. Yep, I gave it a five star wanted level. Um, <laughs> everyone chasing me across country, but yeah, five five stars. There's not nothing I can find wrong really with this film. No, I agree. Could have had a score. <laughs> could have had a score. Yeah, could have had some music in it. I least. mean, I bought the soundtrack. I was gutted. <laughs> <laughs> it's just it just sounds of him walking around. Yeah, um, an empty yeah. CD case. <laughs> Just you open it, it's just it's just a quarter yeah. <laughs> <laughs> on tails, so you definitely lost. Um, but yeah, that's that's no country for men. So should we move into our uh, big film I of the think week? We should. So we'll try and avoid spoilers for the first part of this as much as we can do. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, it's like a it's like a fifty year old, sixty year old book, but we'll try and avoid spoilers as much as we can do. Um, I'll try and do quite a loose minute summary of what's going on it's, even, it's the first half of a 50 it's not, year it's old not, book it's not, even, it's, not even, it's not even quite half um, but yeah so I will do that but we'll do some of it and then we'll tell people to skip ahead after we've given our ratings for it we'll do very much like we did with Bond yeah. last week so Dune in a minute without giving yeah. too much away okay um, there is a planet um, which is covered in spice which is a great source of mystical power for the the Fremen who live there, but also it is used by travellers to well help tra- traverse space essentially. So the most powerful and most potent and useful thing. That planet is currently being used by the Harkonnen, who have just been sent away by the Empire for Paul's family, 
<laughs> Atreides, the House Atreides, to go there and take over and start mining spice for the Empire. Um, it, this story follows Paul, who is the son of the Duke, who is the leader of the House of Atreides, plus his mother is part of um, a mystical cult that sort of controlled what's happening with the select breeding, and he might be the chosen one. This is all in the trailer. I'm not giving anything mm. away. Um, basically, follow them, go to that planet as things aren't left as they hoped they would and things get worse as Paul tries to reach out to the Fremen, which are the locals of the planet, to help rebuild and create a new world. Because he's having visions. Because he's having visions. He's having visions of uh, Zendaya, which, you know, Who we've doesn't? all done that. <laughs> <laughs> um, but that's about all I think I've... As, as, um... Yeah, I'd, I'd, yeah, that was good. Yeah, um... I could have gone into more detail, but I feel like that was enough without starting to try and find and remember all their names. The one name I can remember without fail is Paul, the most underwhelming name for a hero. <laughs> Paul Duncan was uh, yeah, it's just Jason Momoa. Jason Momoa. I mean, but it's Paul. Yeah, Paul is. You are the Messiah, the one to lead us into the new world. Hi, Paul. <laughs> we it have is, a good friend with Paul. He probably listened to this as well. Yeah, but it is. <laughs> It, this is the thing. It's 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 nothing against the name Paul. I think I'd have the same reaction if he was called Josh. You oh, know, definitely. It's, it's just it's like considering they are called like House Atreides, the Duke, yeah. and the Harkonnen, and then Paul. And <laughs> it's just like so normal. Was <laughs> it the Jezim Gabar or something like that? I can't remember what it is. The like the prophet's name and stuff. They call, they oh, all, yeah. got these intricate names throughout the whole thing, and then it's. Uh, but his name's Paul. Paul and Which I it, quite like. Is his mum Rebecca or Rachel? Rachel, his mum is. That's the actress's name. I might be wrong then. What's his mum called? I don't know. I will find out. But but it's, it's um yeah, I, I, I personally, I quite like that. I think it's quite refreshing when there's not so much sort of... Definitely. And that's that wasn't me trying to diminish it at all. Lady oh, no, no. Je- her name's Jessica, sorry. Oh, her name's Jessica. Lady Jessica. She is Rebecca. Yeah. But she's Lady Jessica, yeah. Um, yeah, this film... Would highly recommend. Would recommend specifically to go to an IMAX to watch it because it was just probably the best cinema experience I've ever had. I've watched it one and a quarter times yeah, in the IMAX. <laughs> the second time I went to watch it, that we had a power cut and they couldn't get the projector back on, so I've seen it one and a quarter times. Um, and it's brilliant, isn't it? I enjoyed that quarter. I enjoyed yeah. the full thing, but yeah, it's 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 a spectacle. This film, um, and it's not shocking. I mean, if you look at the director's previous works, mm-hmm. you go. This man knows scale. This man mm. does what what you want. Um, there was a great review that I read on Letterboxd, and I think I read it to you. It was like, what people want from sci-fi is massive ships yeah. landing slowly. Massive weird-looking ships. Massive weird-looking ships landing slowly and the doors sort of opening. And tiny weird-looking But what we want out. is to watch <laughs> tiny people coming on and off those slowly as well. And it seems to get it spot on. Um, I was talking... I wish I'd watched... Um, all of it the second time with obviously because I wanted to watch all of it mm. but I went with uh, Keris's parents mm. who are massive science fiction fancy aficionados shall we say and they yeah. love the the Dune book and all the subsequent Dune books they've read all of them mm. um, and what he thought was very interesting was that none of the ships in the books are described apart from ones which are the uh, the insect ones the insect yeah. ones which would look like dragonflies and I can't, um, but everything else is sort of left to your imagination and they came out going that was amazing because it was just like not description. Here you go. Here's a weird sort of orb. Orb that's going through there. Um, it looks like the Eurostar the that they're inter- coming into. Well, yeah, but that's like the inter interdimensional, not interdimensional, inter. It's like the ports, solar yeah. travel. Yeah, it's like the Mass Effects. 
The relays. There's so yeah, many things like... They're like, you know, they're like man-made wormholes, aren't they? Yeah, it's essentially big stargates. Big stargates? Yeah, exactly. Big stargates. It, this, if you want to see what sci-fi looks like, this is... <laughs> This, this is how I imagine everyone who doesn't read sci-fi or doesn't know anything goes, yeah, it's all like this. And they could just point at this film and go, yeah, big hats, weird bears, that thing. You but say I, that, and but I have the... Exact opposite, is exact it? Exact opposite. I think this feels like... And I was trying to explain to my dad, because my dad is not the biggest sci-fi fan at all. Okay. Like, he's, he's not really... He likes Star Wars and that, but who doesn't? It's like a... We don't want to start this up again. No, no, I know. <laughs> but... But it's, I was trying to explain to it, I was like, say, it's, it feels more like an old school, it feels like a historical epic, more yeah. than a sci-fi to me. It feels like you're watching, like, Gladiator or something. It's like a, especially with the names, like Atreides, and stuff, it feels Roman, mm-hmm. and it feels like that sort of grand scale thing, rather than, because, you know, it's... Especially with like the weapon, they're all using swords and spears to fight. It's not like like guns exist. Well, yeah, late things for yeah they do they do well, the fremen are the fremen use little guns. Like they exist, but it's it feels like a big old classical war, like an ancient civilization thing. Yeah, I get that, and I think it is that blending of. Because sci-fi is one of those genres that just you blend with other genres, isn't mm. it? That's that sort of well. I mean, Star Wars being brought up, it's Western in space. You yeah. go look at, I know, Alien is horror in space. You go look at yeah, yeah. this. It's it's now an epic in space, and mm. epic is the appropriate word for this film. Without giving anything away, it's just everything about it. You're just sat there, mouth agape, watching mm. as happens around you, and you just can't really fathom. I mean, I don't know if you felt the same way. It's like, that's, how are they doing this? Yeah. And at no point yeah. was I going, oh, that could be CGI. I was just like, this is amazing. What? It all felt real. Yeah. It all felt... This is what I mean. It genuinely, it felt like... It's like... Um, I feel like it feels like less spacey than Interstellar and stuff. I know that sounds, Def- really, I know that sounds really silly because... It's not, but it feels really grounded in reality, even no, I, though it's so not. I, I get that entirely. It's obviously interesting. You've got the whole time change mm. in the channel. Okay, but, so this, but this is no different. Closer to, to home, like The Martian. I'd say The Martian is more like weird, like like sci-fi than this. Yeah. Obviously, it's not. It's like, but it's the actual... Well, that's, that's the way I, in which it's absorbed, if that makes sense. No, I, I get what you're saying there, because like the Martian is him struggling to adapt to live in these new climates, mm. and it's it's him out there, first man. Mm. Whilst this is no different to them going, right, you know what? <laughs> it's like it's like colonization, wasn't it? We have the empire. You are now going to be in control of the Congo, Belgium, mm. and Belgium go there. Mm. But we don't want Belgium in control of it, so we're now going to have people. You know, it's it's mm. very much that, but just on a far larger scale mm. that's already been set up. Yeah. Um, and it is very much, it probably is very much given that it's got that sort of vibe from it. If they, when it was written, you got to think when it was written, yeah. but like it's, it's countries taking over when they go, we control land and we control sea. Now we have to try and deal with forest yeah, and jungle. Yeah, yeah. It's that sort of same sort of ideas. It's very, very interesting. Um, obviously me and you went, we took 
<laughs> my wife, um, <laughs> with us, and I didn't know how she was going to react to it, and she came out loving it as well. Mm-hmm. I do think there may be people who don't like this film just because they. But I think if you go into it, I think most people will enjoy this film when they watch it. Mm. I think it's getting over that initial hurdle of the idea it's sci-fi. That That's you what I mean. It. I don't think I'd, I don't. But it's not. But it... I'd, I'd, yeah, I'd ward anyone off who's saying, "Oh, I don't want to see it because it's sci-fi." It's not. I. It's genuinely one of the least sci-fi. It's a story as old as time. Well, it yeah. is. Yeah, but 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 by that logic, so Star Wars. But I know it sounds silly. It's stuff to do with like. The lack of like bright colours and neon shit. It's um, so yeah, that's 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 interesting because obviously the last film that this guy did was Blade Runner twenty forty nine, which is far more that sort of sci fi that you expect with like the yeah. high rises with you know, Asian writing on it because Dystopian. You know, that's the thing, big bright yeah. colours. Then you got the big orange. Well, this is very much no no no. This is real world. We're not putting a filter on this. Anytime mm. you get a filter, is during a a vision, but. Mm. You're going to experience this world. I mean, there's a point in the film, and this is not to spoil anything, where I had to shield my eyes from the screen because they literally went from black to out in the light. Yeah. And it wasn't like a brilliant light. It was just a sunlight. bright light. It was just like just sunlight, sunlight. And I felt like I was emerging as well, yeah. shielding my eyes. Um, but yeah, obviously we're going to go a little bit deeper into this film. Mm-hmm. There's a bit more to talk about it. Uh, before we tell you to skip ahead, um, though we'll give both of our ratings, but I'm pretty sure you can guess what they are. Five stars. You give it five stars. What did I what did I write down as my quip which didn't won't make any sense? I gave it five stars. I can't get in. Five houses. I put five grams of spice. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's yeah, it's five stars um for me as well. It, cool. I came out and it was epic. So yeah. Um do go watch it if you if you're on the fence, go see it. Yep. Um if you want to watch it at home, watch it at home, but I think you're missing something if you miss it, if you watch it at home. I think cinema IMAX, ways to go. If you've got a big telly, big telly, you can get away with it. Good sound system because you want yes. the sound. The sound is the thing that you're going to want in this. Yeah, speakers are important. Yeah, don't turn it too high though if you like those speakers because they may be dead by the end of the film. <laughs> cool. Um, so if this is where, try and skip ahead till about five minutes before the end and you can get the clue. Otherwise, we'll catch you on the next episode. Cool, let's dive in. How cool was this film? <laughs> it was super cool. Um, what what bits did you think really stood out? Like, were there any sort of acting moments that you were like, this is amazing? For me, it was, it was all of the... I loved all of the visions. Purely because it just got me really hyped for what's going to come. Yeah. <laughs> there's, a, there's that lovely bit which you... Which was obvious what was going to be when they're, like, bursting out the sand. Because that's the cool thing about the, Fre- the Fremen bits when they got the fights and the visions and mm. the little bits of the, when they're just... They're laying in the sand waiting mm. like the sandworms that live with yeah. them to just burst out and attack their enemies. And then you get that vision at the end and it's like, oh, it's he's, so sick. he's leading them in. He's got the blue eyes. It's, yeah. it's going to be there. Oh, Paul. Um, but yeah, that's that was really cool. I like I like that. I mean, I think all the act performances were great as well. Mm-hmm. Um, Jason Momoa is, I think, cementing himself as a... Has cemented himself in this as... Mm the action star now, isn't he? Honestly, Jason Momoa is the best actor that to come from Game of Thrones that wasn't established prior. Yeah, so over Richard Madden, over Kit Harrington? Yeah. Uh, over Kit Harrington, yeah. Richard Madden? I think so. I think he's a better actor. I think I've seen him do more. 
it, variation. He was he was in Baywatch before Game of Thrones, but it's not massive, is it? Was he? Jason Momoa, yeah, he was in Baywatch. Oh, I don't know. I could, but, couldn't even tell you. But no, I and it's like over definitely over like Amelia Clark. Um, I don't really rate her. No, but but yeah, and I think this is just another you know string to his bow. He's yeah. fabulous in it. Uh, Timothy Chalamet does a wonderful job in this. Yeah, the, couldn't take my eyes off him. The pain box. Yeah, you believe that boy's in pain Hell throughout yeah. this. I mean, it's the it, and I love that bit where he's like he, he clenches his jaw, hmm. then he. That he like <laughs> is that sort of oh go on then is yeah. this what we're going to be about? Um, different to the books because she's meant to be an absolute fear of him at this point, where she's still got the mother of it. Yeah. Is it meant to be an absolute fear at this point. She's a bit more restrained, but mm. stops him. Um, um, and I liked because obviously in the book she's meant to like get him right down to the bone, but then you get the vision of his hand turning to ash, which basically yeah. symbolizes that going on. He's great in it. Uh, Oscar Isaac for his brief moments are in yeah. it. Great. Josh Brolin is really strong. Yeah, as... the man we're here for. Yeah, he wasn't in it as much as I thought he was going to be, but he's going to be more in it. I think. I think he's very good when he is in it. He's um, he's uh. That sounds silly. We've seen him play like hard man before and authoritarian figure, but this is the first time where he's sort of been the henchman in a way. He does it quite well. He's like right hand man, isn't he? Yeah, he's, not, he's like he's, he's like, not the he's not like the big cheese. He's not, but he's still imposing. Yeah, it's, he's, I don't know. It, he's it like the king's good. mad dog. who's not mad. He's he's very yeah. much restrained. He turns to stop. He stops. But he's their military mind as well, and all mm. this sort of thing. And he's lead by example. Go mm. into battle. The last charge that he leads is fabulous. Oh. In, into the. You know, into the chaos with the Harkonnens. Yeah, it's. I mean, I like the whole thing where they've got just before it, where they've got the busy holding against the Harkonnens. Then I can't remember the name of the other house. The Blades of the Empire. Blades of the Empire. Slides yeah. come down behind them, and it's all good. The armor that they have and how they've got that made with the the bouncing and the slow yeah, um, the entry, really good. Sandworms looked amazing, even though you missed the big sandworm. Unfortunately, so, yeah, I went for a wee. The one point you um, missed, but we've seen it in the trailer. But it's seen it trailer. It's big sandworm. It's cool. It's great. I love. We saw someone riding a sandworm finally, mm-hmm. which I wanted to see, which was cool. Right at the end, isn't it? Um, but it looks great. Javier Bardem as well. We've already mentioned Javier Bardem once. Oh yeah, he is yep. so good in this film. Yeah. Um, the whole moisture thing, which obviously is in the books, but it's so good in this. And the, the fact that no one around us seemed to understand what was going on with mm. it was was shocking. Yeah. The fact that they're willing to they even explain it in the film. Yeah, yeah. It's there's there's a lot. I think. I think this film is. This is a multiple viewing. It's, yeah, it's a multiple viewing one. It's not a casual watch for sure no which i think some people have been going to it as because you see a blockbuster film and you sort of go oh okay that's a film for everyone will go and i would recommend this to everyone yeah, but it's it's not go there with 16 bags of popcorn and all your and sweet your stuff just like go grazing because yeah. we had i had kids behind me in the first viewing and you could hear them asking questions because there is a lot going on. It's quite grand. Yeah, and that's fine. That's fine. But, but it's it's not an easy no. watch necessarily. So you will need to explain bits so they can mm. make sure they can keep up with the story. Mm. Um, yeah. What? So was your favourite bit the visions then? I think so. Yeah. I think my first part, uh, my favourite bit is when you see the Baron, um, the Harkonnen, yeah. rise for the first time. Oh, yeah. That's I cool. think that's so cool when he comes up and he just looks like the serpent. Stellan Skarsgård. Mm. 
what a wonderful casting for him. Mm-hmm. Honestly, what a wonderful casting. He yeah, just does brilliant. such a great job in that. Yeah, he's so good. The yeah, the the actual yeah, just the scale of it. And, and there are so many bits. It is really hard to to pick my favorite bit. I would say the visions because they're the bits that have sort of stuck with me. But it's just it's just fabulous to watch. It felt great to watch, which I know sounds so silly because a film should. But I genuinely can't remember the last time that I watched a film and was so. In, yeah, in awe of what I've what I've watched, and so wanting for the next one, and but, so like ready to watch it again. Well, that's, and that, think let's put it this way: it. we yeah. watched it together on the Wednesday, mm. and by the Sunday, I was going to go again to the IMAX yeah. again to watch it for a second time. I can't think of a time where I've gone. You know what? Because I've got unlimited cards, so I can go as many mm. times as I want to Cineworld, watch all the time. Mm. But I'll happily spend thirteen odd quid. Mm twice in a week to go see that twice because yeah. it was such a spectacle of it all um what was there anything that you didn't like in the film or anything that it's hard to do i mean i think this could again what we're going to be giving is very much maybe a recency bias because we've just seen it and it's being that sort of thing we need to watch it all again and i think it's a digesting film in, in, but... all, in all honesty i didn't like how it ended I get that it's a part one of a part two. I'm so happy there is a part two now. <laughs> yeah. However, I don't like any film that does not... Even if it's a part one of part two, find a point at which it nat- naturally concludes. It's like... And I don't praise these films much, so you're going you're okay. to enjoy this one. Lord of the Rings did it incredibly well with the first one where they looked at the first and second book, saw the second book opens with the the fight in the forest and went, that's a nice way to neatly close off this first one. Yeah. And they did that. I just wish they'd done it more neatly with this. It, it felt like a fitting bit, but in all honesty, it, it should have either gone a bit further than them just meeting the Fremen or them literally like the end of it is like them meeting the Fremen but they gave us a little bit with with the Fremen and it and because of that it felt that the cutoff was just like we could have I don't like a to be continued thing that is like you know it finished with him what was the what's the final line in it it's like this is just the beginning something like that and it it doesn't for me that just wasn't the way to finish it it was like it's like that's the bit that goes before an opening credits or something you could have yeah like this I agree that it could have ended just like I I think beforehand if you're going to end it they have them crash potentially mm. and it's them you don't potentially have the, the, the sandworm the sandworm could have been for the next film as a big mm. spectacle but you have them crash you have them sort of seek that they're free they're not being chased anymore mm. and it's them putting on their gear Plus, you then have the Oscar Isaac thing where he bites the tooth, and it's after that when they find the guy at the thing, and you see his face like, mm. "We must get rid of it. you." Just stop it there. Go you clearly. Go right. Next one's ever there after them. Mm. These pers- people are on the run. It, as you said, they've got that little bit too much on mm. there. But I don't. I don't mind when it ended. It's just trying to find oh, the yeah, problem, yeah, isn't no, it? That's... Yeah. It's and and this and this the you know the minute that the second one is out, this will be a moot point. Oh, but for now, I'm. Yeah, I, I I've been blue balled by this. Yeah, uh, the fact they haven't started filming <laughs> the second one yet, and they're not starting till um, 
autumn next year. Are they not? Really? Not starting until autumn next year, which I have no idea when this next film's going to be out. My guess would be 2024. Three years, we're going to have to wait. Yeah. That's fine, as long as they do it well. Well, I, I, I have no doubts that if they just let him keep doing it, and the fact mm. it's going to be a theatre exclusive for the next one. So I do hope, though, that the, like, the stuff out. that's in the visions... Lead to something? They don't have to come to pass. Well, I, I haven't read the book. No, they don't have to come to pass, but I just want... I want them to be in sight. I want to see him in the gold suit, killing shit. I know that sounds so silly. You can get but... that in part three, mate. Uh, you have that in part three when they get well, there. Well, that's what I mean. Down, I don't yeah. want that to be like, you know, five years down the fucking line. Which it will be. And that's fine. But it's just like, in all honesty, I don't know because I haven't read the book. I don't know whether that is from this same book or whether that is a Children of Dune thing. I think it's from the same book. I can't. I haven't got far enough either. We're, we both we both started reading it um, yeah. and we're round, roughly around the same parts now. But um yeah. Not far enough to give any more insight. So please do let... Well, don't let us... Don't spoil it too much for us, but do let us know what your thoughts are. Yeah. Um, anyway, we'll stop We'll stop talking about Dune here because we can keep talking about it for ages. Um, utterly brilliant film. Um, yeah. Do go see it. Yes. So, that brings us... Although, if you stayed this on, you've probably already seen it. Yeah. Or you don't care about spoilers. So. And if you don't probably. care about spoilers, you're mad. To be fair, I don't think we actually... I think we got away with without spoiling much there. Um, I said the tooth... I said a few things like that. But oh, yeah. Right, yeah. Anyway, should we move on to ranking? Hell yeah. Let's rank his films. What a ranker he is. You like me right now. You like me. So, um, what is... <laughs> this is going to be interesting. Yeah, what is your number three Josh Brolin film? Uh, my number three is Sicario. Nice, so your Emily Blunt number one film makes it in at number three here. Yeah. Uh, my number three is True Grit. Oh, okay. Interesting. Cool. Yeah, True Grit. Um, yeah. Another another Coen Brothers film. Yeah. Um, I number one and number two are going to be the same, but is it going to be in the same order? Who is Josh... Sorry, in, in True Grit, Josh Brolin... It's Matt Damon. Jeff Bridges and Jeff Josh Bridges. Brolin. They're the three guys. I genuinely couldn't... I can't remember right. him being it, but yeah. What's your, what's your number two then? He's No Country for Old Men. Mine is Dune. Oh no! Wow. And my number and your number one is going to be Dune. My number one is Dune. Yeah. My number one is No Country for Old Men. Wow. It was it was a tough choice. It, it wasn't for me. <laughs> but I've, I've done it this way because I think that I love the completeness of what I get from No Country for Old Men. Yeah. Uh, Dune, I think, is awe inspiring, but I can't work out if I want to put it higher just because I've just seen it and I'm loving it. Yeah. Fair. And that's I might be tempering myself more than I should do. Um, but I, I think I think Dune is going to be my new like well, I, you, I've watched this film a thousand fucking times. I, I will, will still do watch it. it. <laughs> uh, well, you came out the cinema and said you think that's better than Star Wars. Yeah, I think it's better than Star Wars. Star Wars is still you know that's 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 where my heart is. But Dune was just fucking amazing. <laughs> <laughs> what is your least favorite? What is the worst film he has ever done? It is Jonah Hex. Jonah Hex, which yeah. was going to be my worst film yeah. until I watched the film today. What did you watch? I watched The Legacy of a White-Tailed Deer Hunter. Okay. Which is about Josh Brolin um, trying to reconnect with his son. And it was written by Danny McBride as well, and Danny McBride's in it as well. And oh, really? And like, oh, okay. He's like a deer hunter. That's like what he does. He like gets videoed and puts it on things. Mm. And this kid's like with his new dad. 
it, sh- it just, it, I just didn't like any part of it. I like, can understand it. it. Just, I didn't laugh at any points. I didn't care for any of the emotion. I didn't care. It's just like, eh. I gave them both one and a half stars, so it could easily be Jonah Hex. Fair. But I've decided to give the other one the the nod for this, so it's something slightly <laughs> different. Um, yeah, that brings us to the end of another episode. So I'll drop the clue in a second, but I just want to say thank you all to uh, for listening to yet another episode. We're knocking up the numbers right now, so uh, keep doing whatever you're doing. Keep telling people if you can. That'd be wunderbar. Um, and we're very much enjoying it. So yeah, do check us out on our Instagram at onbwpod or... Find us on Anchor and you can drop us a little voice note and we might even throw it in the episode if you're lucky. Oh, yeah, who, you can do that. Who knows? But yeah, um, so, should we move into the clue? Oh, it's my privilege, thank you. The clue for next next episode is A little gold man has fallen on a physicist's head. A little gold oh, man... I like that. No, that's a really good one. Thank you. A little gold man has fallen on a physicist's head. Um, so yeah do check us out come back next time to check out that actor's uh, life and their three films Um, as always uh, I've been Josh I've been Josh and we've been Josh how's your life ever been (laughs) (laughs) I'll do his voice no go for it go for it go for it have your own voice in that film what